0: how do you know if you're a people pleaser well you're probably exhausted from doing so much for other people you're probably ready for it to be your turn and yet you feel guilty and selfish if you want to do something for yourself if you can relate to that stay tuned i'm brenda florida certified life coach and i've got a full solution for you and we talk about different aspects of that every episode of liberate your people pleaser from emotional intelligence skills to practical coaching tools. We use my own framework I created called the Solve It Method. And I have guests on from time to time to share their expertise with you as well. So you are in the right place at the right time being exactly who you are. And now join me for this episode of Liberate Your People Pleaser. How would you like you or someone you work with to know the one thing they need to know that will affect 58% of their performance in their job. Doesn't matter what their job is. This one thing affects 58%. And that is the person's emotional intelligence, or EQ, as they call it. Even though, yes, the initials would be EI, but because it's sort of the emotional equivalent of your IQ, they call it EQ. Anyway, the reason why this is so important is because people with a high EQ, or emotional intelligence, will outperform people with a high IQ 70% of the time. And when this one thing makes up 58% of how well we're performing, then there's no better thing to focus on. So I have been delivering emotional intelligence and high functioning team trainings for about eight or 10 years now. And I started it in the realtor community, working with leaders, Because that was the profession I was in before I got into coaching. And it's such a passion of mine because that idea, especially when we're talking about leadership, of what makes a leader effective, whether you are a leader in your work position or not, you are a leader in your own life, you're a leader in your home, whatever that looks like, right? So we all are leaders in one way or another. And so you can relate to this, whether in your profession, you are in a leadership role or not. We all want to be effective. And I was working with a big group of volunteer leaders in one of my jobs. And I noticed how some of them were very effective and others were not. And they all had a great heart. They all wanted to serve. These were volunteers to begin with. So they weren't there because somebody promoted them into the leadership role, right? They were volunteering. They had the heart for it. But some just were not very effective. So I started really trying to you know, figure that out. What was the equation there? And I realized that really the most important thing was their emotional intelligence. So I started doing some research on it and realized that the statistics proved me true. So I started doing training around it because just like I do now with coaching, of course, I don't want to just talk about great ideas like, you know, don't be a people pleaser or turn your powers of empathy onto yourself or, you know, put yourself first and those kinds of things. Be a good leader uh, without telling people how because it's very easy to get inspired at, you know, a convention or even on a podcast and or in a book, you're reading a book and you're so inspired by the ideas of it, but you don't know how to implement it in your own life. You don't know how to accomplish it. So I've always sort of had this duality of um, big vision and lofty ideals that I'm always shooting for and inspiring myself to and that practical, how do I do it? So that's always translated in my own work as well, long before I started coaching. So I developed this training and in it taught people how to improve their emotional intelligence and how to create a high functioning team. So it probably will not surprise you to know that the hallmark of a high functioning team, three things really stand out. And again, if you don't relate to this in your career, you can relate to it in your own family or friend group or whatever, because we're in teams all the time, whether you call it that or not. So what are really the defining dynamics of a high functioning team is that there's a lot of trust. They trust each other. And so because of that trust, they can have healthy conflict. Everybody doesn't have to agree with each other. There's no creating false harmony. There's no keeping our mouth shut so we don't rock the boat, things like that. They can have, of course, the easy conversations. That's easy. We can all do that. But it's the hard conversations that really define whether or not a team is healthy. And you don't have those unless you have trust. And then the third is just sort of all group it. You could break it down in a couple of different ways, but everybody's committed to the outcome. You know, whatever the project is or the goal is that we're working towards or whatever it is, that everyone is focused on that. They're taking responsibility for their role in it. They can hold other people responsible for their parts of it because, again, we can handle the quote unquote conflict of. I am your office peer and I'm doing my part of the project, but you're dropping the ball on yours. I can talk to you about that directly because we have that trust, we've already built that. And we've already been a part of these healthy conflict kind of conversations so we can do that with each other. So when we're in an organization or we're part of a team where those things are not happening, then emotional intelligence sort of comes to the rescue to teach us how to do that. Because again, it's one thing to say, oh, okay, I get it. We're not having healthy conflict. And so we must need to build trust. Okay, well, how do I do that? How do I do that with a friend? How do I do that with a coworker? How do I do that with my leadership team? You know, it doesn't matter, again, what the setting is the these dynamics, these principles transcend work and personal life. So The question becomes, how do I do that? Well, then we go to the skills of emotional intelligence. So the four components of emotional intelligence are self-awareness. And this is a hierarchy. It is self-awareness because we can't do anything unless we're self-aware. Then once I have that self-awareness, then the second part is how I can be mindful of how I'm expressing myself. So I almost use the word control there. I don't really like the word control. So mindful is a better word. It is about reacting, right? Am I responding or am I reacting? When I I first have to cultivate the self-awareness to even know when I'm getting triggered and what I'm doing and have some consciousness around my life and my behaviors. But once I do, then the next step is, can I start to change those behaviors? And a lot of people get stuck right there. There's a lot of people, because self-awareness is sort of a very popular thing right now. And it's a big buzzword and everybody kind of knows that it's a good thing to be self-aware. So they'll say they are (laughs) self-aware, even when they're not always, or they're self-aware, but that's sort of where it ends and to me that is just the beginning as it is the first of the four components of emotional intelligence you can't stop there so once i'm aware of what i'm doing can i start to behave differently can i start to respond differently in the world until i can do that i'm kind of stuck right there but once i can do that i can go to the next step which is then what's my awareness of others this is the empathy piece can i pick up on what's going on for other people. What are the emotions they're experiencing? What, When are they being triggered? You know, What is the perspective they are taking that might be very different from the perspective I'm taking? And then the fourth component is how do I put all that together? What's happening for me? How am I responding? What am I picking up with the other people or person I'm engaged with? And then how do I tie that all together so that we can have uh, healthy, I'll say, um, conversation around it. So you can't always be, it's not always about winning the argument, so to speak. That fourth piece isn't getting what you want. That's not what they call it. It's relationship management. You know, can I put what's important to me on hold sometimes? Can I? use my understanding of the perspective of that other person or their feelings in it, their emotions in it to maybe shift or change or not what I'm gonna do. But if I'm not gonna change it, I'm understanding that this is gonna be hard for them. It's just taking it all in together. Now you can imagine, and you may be thinking this already yourself, that my gosh, as a people pleaser, that is a big disruptor to each of these things. Because as people pleasers, we don't want to have conflict, right? We're avoiding conflict all the time. And so we tend to keep our mouth shut, do things to create a false sense of harmony, cover up for people who are dropping the ball, all those kinds of things. So actually being a people pleaser in its expression of the sort of habit that isn't serving that that way of thinking about it it's not serving because it's in opposition to all these other healthier habits. So all we have to do with the people-pleasing part, again, you've probably heard me say this a million times, but it's turning it around to ourselves. Instead of focusing all that energy on problem-solving and you know, over-functioning and all that on other people, keeping our mouths shut, We make our own feelings, our own, the things that we are responsible for ourselves. Those are our, that's our focus. And yes, I can have empathy for the other people on my team, but not to the degree, not that distorted degree that I talk about frequently where, you know, empathy doesn't mean I take on your feelings. I only see your feelings. Your feelings are more important than my feelings are. No empathy just means I get it. I can tell what you're feeling and I may feel it also, but it doesn't mean I have to feel be a victim to that. You know, I have to have my own boundaries to say, hey, wait a minute, how I feel is important too my perspective is important too. And yours isn't more important because I'm feeling it so, right? So having those boundaries around our empathy so that we can stay in our sandbox. Another common metaphor for me is this idea of staying in our own sandbox. So my sandbox are my thoughts and feelings and my actions. Everything I do, everything I am, my body, you know, what my body does, all those things, but it's just me, everybody else, every other family member, every lover, every boss, every partner, every team member at work, whatever it is, they all have their own sandboxes. And so how they may be feeling while it's interesting to me and I'm going to consider it, it is not mine. I don't go hop in their sandbox and take in all their feelings and try to stop them from feeling it or fix it in some way, that's when life gets really chaotic and when we start to get exhausted and overwhelmed because we're over in somebody else's sandbox and we don't belong there. So in highly functioning teams and highly functioning families, in highly functioning relationships to anyone, We are staying in our own sandbox. And that's really how you build that trust. You care about what's going on in the other people and their sandboxes, but you don't become them because actually when we become them, when we go get in their sandboxes, we actually are not trustworthy anymore because People aren't sure that we're doing what we wanna do. Well, how does she really feel or what is, you know, it gets, it kind of muddies the water for all of it. So when we're solid in our own sandbox, whether we're saying yes or no, I like it, I don't like it. That's trustworthy because it's how I feel. It's how I'm expressing myself. It's what's true for me. People can trust that they can disagree with it also. That's okay but it's trustworthy. Whereas when you change your mind, depending on who seems to be running the room, people aren't really sure where you stand and whether they can really articulate all these things in their mind. I'm saying all these things in a super conscious way. Not everyone can put that together. They don't always realize that's what's going on. They just have that sense that they can't trust you. And it's because you're trying to keep the peace or because you're giving up your own priorities or your own idea of what's important to you. And so they're not really sure where you stand. So that's why these habits of people pleasing end up not serving us at some point. Sure, they may keep us in a you know kind of horm- harmonious environment, but at some point we feel undervalued, underappreciated, exhausted. You know, all those things, that's how we kind of know those are those red flags or resentment because we have given too much. We have gone over and gotten in other people's sandboxes. And so hopefully you can see as I describe this how these tools of emotional intelligence, these four, you know, components of self awareness, self expression, other awareness, and then relationship management. As we improve in each of those four areas, it turns, it's just another way to think about tools for turning those habits of people pleasing onto ourselves, as I usually say, before we give to others. So there's nothing wrong with those things that you do that we call people pleasing i mean there's nothing wrong with what's behind it what's behind it is this loving heart it's nurturer a problem solver somebody who gets has really good ideas for how to change a, you know something fix things in other words the only thing is we got to do it from our own sandbox when we do it from our own sandbox it's not peop- it's not what we think of as people pleasing anymore now i'm using all those gifts for myself and yes for the benefit of others but I'm doing it from my own sandbox. So if you're curious about this, I would love to chat with you about it. You can put a comment here on the podcast. Of course, in the show notes, um, you're going to be able to reach out to me. I'm going to have, in fact, a special link for people interested, particularly in this topic, because I have been doing, like I said, I've been doing training on this for several years, and I really want to start doing more of it. I really love teaching this, and I love seeing those aha moments where people realize, it helps them understand why whatever doesn't feel right to them at work doesn't feel right, and it gives them the power to start to understand how to make a difference, how to start changing their own behavior so that the whole environment can then improve. And so if you are interested in that, be sure and, you know, go to that link in the show note and reach out to me because I'd love to chat with you about that. Even if you just want to explore out of curiosity, whether or not you have a situation that having me do a training or, and I've done it in all ways, I've done it for, you know, an hour and a half on Zoom to six hours in a classroom. So there's all kinds of ways we can get this to your group, whether you're an entrepreneur or, or you have a team or you're a leader in a, in a workplace environment. The beauty of this is much like anything else I do with coaching, it really meets people where they are. And you can, I've had, you know, rooms of, obviously you get a room full of people, people are going to be in different places as far as how evolved they are in their own emotional intelligence, but it doesn't matter. Everybody, no matter where they are, finds their ahas, they find their ways that they can up-level wherever they're at to move to the next highest expression of themselves. So thank you for joining me for this episode of emotional intelligence and high functioning teams and people pleasing and how all that weaves together. Thank you for joining me for another episode of liberate your people pleaser. Check out today's show notes to get any specific links for today and also to get links for your free resources, a link to find out more about my self-coaching framework the Solve It Method, and a questionnaire for those of you thinking about working with me one-on-one called Curious About Coaching. So thank you so much for being with me in this episode. As always, it means the world to me when you put a five-star review on whichever outlet you're listening to this podcast on, and I will see you in the next episode of Liberate Your People Pleaser.